Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Ridgeview Church. We're so glad you decided to uh, join us uh, this morning. Um, we're going to continue in a series that we started last week on Easter called Terror to Triumph. And we're talking about the, the kingdom of God. And so before we jump in, though, I'd like to just make a couple of announcements. Uh, this past Friday, we had a movie night here at the Jesse Turner Center, and we opened up that wall back there and just kind of transformed uh, this uh, banquet room into a movie theater, and we enjoyed welcoming our community. And so thanks again for all the volunteers who uh, helped make that happen. Uh, we met people who came on Friday who've never interacted with Ridgeview Church before, and uh, families with kids, and uh, we were able to engage with them and bless them by just offering this, this free movie night. And uh, that's really what we aim to continue to do here at Ridgeview is to offer events that we can really uh, bridge to our community, serve our community, and love on them. Uh, that's why we do things like the service project and sports camp. And I encourage you, uh, as you're checking out Ridgeview, to, to get involved and be a part of those different things as we try to make a difference uh, with God's help. Uh, I do want to give an announcement from two weeks from today, on April 30th, we will not be able to meet here at the Jesse Turner Center. Uh, they have an annual event with the Ronald McDonald House uh, to raise money for that charity, and they're going to be using this facility, Fontana Park, all of the parking, and uh, in fact, roads are going to be shut down because I think part of it's they're, they're doing like a 5K run. So for us, we're not going to be able to meet in here, and uh, we looked at securing uh, various places, but because of the time of year, uh, we couldn't get into schools, we couldn't get parks, and so we've decided we're going to do an online service only on April 30th. Uh, what that means is uh, you can just stay in your comfy pants uh, on that day, but, but we do actually still want to get together as a church. So what we're going to do is uh, online service will help you engage, and you can, you can sing at home in your living room. You can sing with your kids, your dog, whatever you want to do, uh, but it's not the same as, as corporate worship. It's not the same as the fellowship of the body coming together. And so uh, on that day, we're going to do a lunch together, a picnic lunch at Rosina Park East, which is the same park that our sports camp is at. You'll find that on Google Maps. We'll also send uh, some emails and we'll uh, put on our social media. And if you don't follow us on those things, I, I encourage you to do that. Uh, but we're going to get a picnic lunch. Just bring your lunch, whether you want to make it at home or get it up. And we're going to kind of set up some easy ups, bring your lawn chair. And we're just going to have a time where we can hang out, fellowship together, uh, because that really is something that we need to do. We need to stay engaged with each other. And so right, uh, watch the service at home. Uh, that will be available beginning at 9 a.m. Uh, the way that you're going to want, want to watch that is probably the easiest way is to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, Ridgeview Church Fontana, and you'll be able to watch our service. That will be posted at 9 a.m., and it will be on demand available uh, from that point on. And so watch that at your home, and then uh, we hope to see you at Rosina Park East at noon uh, for lunch together. And so that's just a heads up. Uh, now, if you forget and you drive here next week, you'll think like, wow, it's like Easter all over again. The church is just growing and expanding. And then you see like people running. That's not us. And so what you do is you just keep on going. You find a Wi-Fi, you watch the service, and then see us at noon. Okay, that sound good? So that's just a, a heads up. So let's continue uh, on this series called From Terror to Triumph. We launched it last week, celebrating the resurrection of Christ. And that is the ultimate triumph that we can build our life on. That is the same whether you follow Christ or not. That is the greatest foundation for you to build your life on. It's on 
Christ who has given us freedom and life, really in hope from the fears that we face. And so I wanna just catch up what we hit on last week and then build on that describing uh, the kingdom of God. And that's really what this series is about, is what is the kingdom of God and how does the kingdom of God compare to the kingdoms of this world? And we actually have various kingdoms uh, that represent the places in which we live. We have kingdoms and authorities in our cities and in our state and in our country. And then there's kingdoms and authorities of the world. And there's also kingdoms and authority even in the spiritual realm. And we actually, if you're a Christ follower, you represent the kingdom of God, something that, that cannot be stopped, something that is actually unique compared to all of the other kingdoms. But on a small scale, we also have the kingdoms of our own life. These are our concerns, our ambition, our dream. It's really the thing that we're trying to build. You may be trying to do that with with your family and trying to expand that, and that's actually a good thing. But there's also something that happens as we build our little kingdom in the middle of the worldly kingdoms that we can lose sight of God's kingdom. It's actually very easy to do. It's easy to be distracted, and it's easy to be discouraged by what we see around our world. So this series, in a way, is the attempt to get back to the scriptures to raise our sights on what God is doing in the middle of our distracted and discouraged world. And how can we be a part of this kingdom that's growing and expanding, not only here, but throughout the world? So if I could, I just wanna recap where I left off last week and just summarize God's kingdom and what Christ has done. So let's start there. Here's a truth that we have to just keep coming back to, and it's nothing can stop God's kingdom from advancing. Now that's written on purpose. And the first word is the key, nothing. Nothing can stop God's kingdom from advancing. If you don't believe this as a Christ follower, you're gonna lose your motivation and your hope for your life. If you think that the darkness of this world or the discouragements that you face, the distractions, if you feel like that just will keep growing and keep growing and you'll never overcome it, what hope do you have? What hope do we have? That this is the key to the kingdom. It cannot be stopped. And the reason that is, is because of the risen Christ. Christ conquered the kingdoms of this world. He rules over our greatest terrors, and we can experience triumph and victory in him. And that happens in three major ways. Now, these terrors, uh, there's lots of terrors that are under them, but these three major terrors were conquered by Christ in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. The first is sin. Uh, Sin cannot stop God's kingdom. The reason is, is that sin was paid and conquered for ultimately by Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that he died for our sin. And the wages of sin is death, and he took that death upon himself, and he was perfect. And he didn't deserve death because he never sinned. But he was sent by a loving God to forgive us, to give us grace so that we could be people that now had the penalty paid not from our own selves, but from Christ himself. And that's what we celebrate on Easter. And so sin and the messes that we face and guilt and shame, uh, they, they actually can't overcome us. We can struggle and we still will sin, but ultimately there's victory in Christ. We can get out of the swamp of our experiences, of our bad choices, of the choices done to us, and we can rise again to new life. That's the hope we have in God's kingdom. The second is that death cannot stop God's kingdom. Death is really the end of reality as we know it your existence, your will, your soul. And it seems like if death is it and then you die, what do you have? 
Well, there's nothing. But we're actually eternal. God made us to live forever. And the Bible tells us that you live forever in either two places, heaven with Christ, the risen, conquering king, or separated from him in hell, eternal separation. And on this side of history, the right side of history, where God's kingdom is at work, where you live here and now, we can be a part of trying to help people escape that kingdom of darkness. But death is not the end. For the Christ follower, death is actually the beginning of life as it should be, life with Jesus forever. But death represents fears. It represents the unknown. It represents really the dark corners of our mind or the dark corners of our life. And it also represents physical death, but there's also a spiritual death. But again, because of Christ, because he died for us and he rose again, he conquered that very fear. And so we, even in this life as we die, the moment we die, we enter into eternity with him. And we can have life forevermore. So sin cannot stop God's kingdom. Death cannot stop it. And last, Satan cannot. Uh, we do have an enemy on this earth. He's a part of the lies of our country and of our world. He's a part of many of the lies that we think. He's the reason we can get off track and sometimes we can be distracted and we can be discouraged. We have a target on us. If you're a Christ follower, the enemy wants to take you out. He wants to come against you. He wants to stop you. But we cannot be conquered by Satan because we serve the living almighty God and he has overcome the evil one. And because of him and what Christ has done again on the cross, we can overcome the evil one as well with the very power that raised Jesus from the dead. So these three terrors that have been overcome by Christ are the basis for God's kingdom. Why it cannot be stopped, why it can't be stalled, why it cannot be destroyed by any human because it's not linked to us It's driven and held together by the Almighty God. What I want to do for the rest of our sermon today is to focus on maybe some distinctives of God's kingdom. Now, if you've read some of Jesus' teaching in the Gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's in the New Testament. That's the first four books. It actually describes Jesus' life, his birth to his death to his resurrection. But in his teaching, you find that he actually taught about the kingdom of God really more so than any other thing. And he compared it to things, and he taught about it, and he taught in in parables and analogies, and he wanted people to try to get a glimpse of this kingdom that had come. And this was a kingdom that many people had in their minds of what it would represent, this Messiah who'd come and and conquer and overcome the authorities of their day and come in this power and come in this royalty and this king. And the king did come, but he didn't come how people would think. He was born in what? A manger, an obscure city called Bethlehem. And his announcement was given to ordinary people. And that was a part of what we can learn about the kingdom of God. And that really represented this course of his life that he would continue on. And that course included the conquering king who would actually not conquer, but himself would die. Very counterintuitive. And that's a big part of the kingdom of God. It's upside down to what we would think on this earth. But that is who God is. It's upside down to our ways and our understanding, which is actually right side up. And so I can't in one sermon really describe the kingdom of God because Jesus took years to describe it. And he's Jesus and he has all authority and he could teach in ways I could never imagine. But as we dig into scriptures, I wanna just highlight three major distinctives 
of the kingdom of God and really highlight how, because of those distinctives, we can be a part of expanding this kingdom here and now in our city, in North Montana and beyond, in our region of Southern California, the Inland Empire, in our state and beyond. The kingdom of God is growing and we get to be a part of it. And so let's dig in by describing it. First is as the kingdom advances, uh, it has unique features. First, the kingdom is eternal and it's not ruled by man. We actually have a lot of rulers in our land. We have rulers in our country, different rulers in different aspects of our life that, that impact us. So what I wanna do without maybe being outward in your emotional reaction, I'm gonna show you some images and think to yourself, does this cause a maybe inward reaction? Maybe something that you like or dislike. So here's some images that represent the rulers of our day. There's one, here's another, and another. Now these are men, men that you see on the news a lot, men that impact us in different ways. They represent the rulers of our day the rulers of our land. And there's this image too. Also represent rulers, information, ideas. Want us to lead down a direction of thought. Here's another ruler of our day. In fact, this impacts all the other images we've shown. Power and money, the great rulers of our day. Here's another one. This is kind of a disturbing image. It's a ruler of our day. It's our phones. It's the information. It's the access to an unending stream of info. Now, what I want to ask you is, if that literally was happening, would you look at your phone as much? I don't know. It depends what I was looking at. But... That actually is pretty accurate. Sometimes the very thing that we spend so much time on is literally sucking the life out of us. And it leads us down a direction. And there's also this that's connected to that. And that's just content, information, posting, reacting, responding. This unending cycle of social connectivity. And it's very interesting. The more social and connected we become, sometimes the more alone we are. This can rule us. It can give us meaning. It can give us identity. It can tell us who we are or who we're not. So whether we go from just information or to specific rulers, all of these impact us. But here's the reality of God's kingdom. None of these impact God. He's not swayed by man. There's no one that rules over him. He cannot be manipulated. He cannot be coerced. He does what he wants to. He is God. And because of Christ, they don't rule his kingdom. Christ does. And Christ has ultimate authority. If you dig into the scriptures, specifically at the end of the gospels, in the book of Matthew, this is one of the last things Jesus said to his followers as he had risen from the grave, and he appeared to them really in the last time before he ascended back into heaven. He's no longer here. He was here a couple thousand years ago, but he ascended back into heaven. But he wanted his followers to know that it was not the end. Him going back into the heavens was not the end. It was the beginning 
of this kingdom expansion that has always existed and always will. But notice Jesus' words, and he says, and Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So the few distinctives to this passage. The first is how much authority does Christ have? What does it say? Say it again. How much authority does Christ have? All. If that's real, does that change how we see our world? It should. Because he has all authority or ultimate authority or the final say. Who does? Christ. All authority has been given to him. Then notice what, what's kind of the, the distinctives of this passage. What is Christ hoping? Well, what is he telling them to do? To expand the kingdom of God. Teaching, baptizing. Be a part of spreading this eternal kingdom that's not ruled by man, that represents the hope of the entire world. Spread it. Be a part of it. Engage with it. And you get to be a part of this eternal kingdom in real time that moves into the present, that changes our past, that changes our future, and changes who we are. All authority has been given to Christ. So when you follow Christ, you have authority to live your life in a different way, to engage in your community with hope because it's been given to you by the one who conquered Satan, by the one who conquered sin, and the one who conquered death. We have authority. And it's been given, not in our name, but in Jesus' name. Think about how you pray. You should pray at the end in whose name? Jesus' name. It's that authority. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, if you look at our country, it could seem like, well, how is this expanding? How is this happening? Because it seems like the darkness is growing. Have you wondered that yourself? seems like you look around, it's like, well, how can we be hopeful? Because things keep getting more dismal. Well, if you look at the kingdoms of this world, they are. Because the kingdoms of this world have never represented the hope of Christ. They're kingdom of men. But the kingdom that Christ represents is, again, not a kingdom of man. It represents the eternal God. The kingdom of the Almighty One who leads us forward. But anywhere where God's will is done, where there's righteousness and justice and there's right and people loving and sacrificing as Christians are doing this, that's his kingdom here and now that we can see. Lives being changed. On Easter, we celebrated 31 people that came for the first time to our service. Of those people, nine who'd been coming around and who were new said, you know, I wanna follow Jesus for the first time. That represents this eternal kingdom that God is moving throughout the earth. The reason I bring this up is oftentimes we look at the authority and the kingdom of this world and we get so discouraged. But we have hope. If you're a Christ follower, you have ultimate hope. And if you're not a Christ follower, this should compel you to not set my, my eyes on the things of this earth and to put my trust in man or in any country or ruler, but to put my trust in the living God in Christ who died and forgave me. That's the hope that we have.
It's eternal, but it's not ruled by man. Its authority is Jesus. That's an important distinctive of the kingdom of God. The second distinctive is that it starts small, but it ends large. It starts small, but it ends large. Here's what's so interesting. Talking about the upside-down kingdom, as I've described, Christ's birth didn't represent what you would picture the Messiah to come, right? If you know the creation story, where was he born? In a manger, right? I'm doing charades, by the way. So this is, you know, you guys did really good. A manger in a city of Bethlehem, an obscure city. Shepherds heard. Just people outside dirty. Just tending their sheep. They heard about this, this Christ who was born. Nobody special. Unknown in society. And then extend to his life and even to his death. Nailed to a cross. Agonizing. Terrible death that we couldn't imagine. But that's this picture of this kingdom. It's this, in a way, sometimes it seems small and obscure. How could that make an impact when all hope is lost? Jesus knew this, and he described the kingdom this way. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? He's like, I want you to understand. Well, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now in this day, it was really popular because they didn't have like social media and they didn't say, hey, have you seen that meme? The kingdom is like that meme that you saw, right? They didn't have that. So they would use nature, object lessons. Everyone understood in their community a mustard seed and it was the small seed of the time. Now here's a picture of what that seed looks like now, it's really hard to see where the finger starts and the seed ends and where it exists, right? But it, it's very small. But it grows into this mustard-like bushel that looks like that, a lot, a lot greater. So if you could imagine, everyone had a concept of like, this really mustard seed is so tiny, but everyone around the land had seen these, and they knew they all came from that small seed. And that's what Christ was saying. You're wanting something that's conquering and expanding that you could just try to hold and say, wow, this is amazing. But it, oftentimes it, it starts very small and it doesn't start how we think. What I want to do is just describe this a brief, just historical movement of Christianity, if I could. Just spend just a little bit of time uh, in case you didn't know how things started, how Christianity got its, its beginnings. And so I'm just going to highlight a few of these. Uh, it started with humble beginnings. I already talked about it. It started with, with Christ coming to this earth. And then it seemed like the end was him dying, but he rose again. And that rising again represents the beginning of this kingdom expansion. But its humble beginnings began with 12 apostles. And even that, you think of it starting small. One of them betrayed him. Many scattered and one of his closest followers denied him. So think about just even those people who were his closest didn't quite understand who he was. And even their loyalty was in question. But after he rose again, he just kind of gathered these troops, these apostles and the people that were gathering around and 150 believers and they began to, to multiply. And on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people came to Christ in one day. That was the biggest expansion at the time. 
you could imagine being there in that moment. Some had seen the risen Christ again, or they had heard about him. And they'd waited for this Messiah and got to the place where they believed, yes, I want to follow him. And on that day, 3,000 people made that choice. But these people were coming for this, this Pentecost celebration, coming from different regions, and they went back home. So they became Christians and went back home to different kingdoms of our world. And some of those kingdoms were Iraq, Persia, Arabia, Egypt, Judea, Samaria, North Africa, Turkey, Greece, Rome, Cyprus, different islands of the Mediterranean, all the way to Spain. Beginning of Christianity, starting in the first century world and expanding. It began 2,000 years ago in that time. They faced many persecutions. People who were the same that decided to kill Christ to stop the movement of Christianity now decide, well, we have to stop Christians. And many died for their faith. But as Christians began to love each other and follow Jesus' commands and do what he said in Matthew 28, the movement could not and would not be stopped. It actually began to transform cultures. And Rome itself, under Constantine, became this Christian nation. Now, as the expansion happened, there was still sin because it's still people who are sinful. And there were different motives. But what you begin to see is people who are taking this authority that Christ had given them, and it was changing their world. So humble beginning and expansion. And then cultural maturity as things begin to grow in different parts of Europe. People began to see, you know, if, if I'm following Christ, he's the Lord of every aspect of my life. And it transformed the way in their day of how people did business and operated and it transformed culture. It transformed art and universities. Many universities, the greatest universities considered, not only in our country, but in the world, were started by Christians who wanted to honor God with their minds and everything in their life. See, we forget that. See, we buy the lie in our culture that Christians should stay in their lane of things of faith. But if you look in the history of their world, some of the greatest achievements were from Christians who wanted to use the life and breath that God had given them to honor him. A few months ago, we had the opportunity, my wife and I, to go to Italy, really part of this hub of this beginning spread of Christianity. And we saw art and people who were honoring God. And I'm like not the greatest art buff, so like don't ask me questions. Like, what did you think of it? I'll be like, hey, it was good, you know, great. But, but you see this art and people who were the greatest artists of their time painting Jesus on the cross painting him risen again, the, the, the gospel message they're just trying to portray so people could see it and understand the time when they couldn't read about it. It's amazing when you see just how it just transformed culture and culture maturity. And then it, the missionary age, as things began to expand from different aspects of Europe to Brazil, South America, Latin America, the Caribbean, North America, Asia, the Philippines, Japan, China, India, and Africa, I shared the story a few weeks ago about my grandma who was from Great Britain and became a missionary to Eritrea and Lebanon, a part of spreading this gospel story. So it spread throughout the earth, but then she also shared her faith with my mom who became a Christian and her mom and my mom shared her faith with me and I became a Christian and that's how it starts. It starts small, uh, but, it, but it ends large. Today, the kingdom of God is expanding 
And many times, as we just look at our country, it seems like, well, isn't it diminishing? I think that more people are deconstructing their faith, walking away. Churches aren't preaching the Bible. People are scared to stand up for their faith. Well, some of it is, if you just focus on the kingdom of God of America, you lose sight of the kingdom of God in the world. There's people in China and Africa that are coming to Christ in the thousands every day. Every day, people decide to follow Jesus in the middle of persecution where their very lives could be at stake. And the story is not done as things are happening in South America and in China and in Africa. We have an opportunity to reach new people here in North America. The lostness of our country can hardly be described. There's people that are more and more in the darkness as we move away from our heritage and our Judeo-Christian values. More people are confused and don't think there is a God and has nothing to do with them. And they themselves want to identify as God and just choose who they can be without connecting to the one who made them. And we see that in our, our world. But Ridgeview, we're, we're part of this kingdom expansion. I want to just briefly talk a little bit about our own story. Uh, here's a little bit of our family tree as our church. Um, we're connected. Our great kind of grandmother church is Hope Church in Fort Worth, Texas, which was started in 1978 by a pastor called Harold Bullock. And he started it in Fort Worth, Texas to be a part of helping people that were going to seminary in that region to also learn how to reach people and become church planters. And Hope Church has sent over 200 church plants out into our nation. And through that, other ministries into different aspects of the world, to Europe and to Asia. And in 1987, a man named Randy Lanthrop left Hope Church, who was trained there, to start Church in the Valley in Diamond Bar, helping people come to Christ and discover the kingdom of God and be a part of it. And then in 2001, my wife and I got connected to Church in the Valley, and we really learned biblical values. We learned about this kingdom of God and Christ's heart to transform the nations. We began to learn what it means to put the Bible into practice and to live out biblical truth. That's where I learned to become a husband who really follows the Lord and a father. Even when we started, we didn't have kids yet, but I really needed to learn. I wanted to learn what does it mean to be a man of God in my day so I can make a difference in the world with what God has given me. And a part of Church in the Valley, we had friends that started a church called Orange Crest. You can see there, they changed their names now. They're they're Stone Arbor Church. Uh, They launched in Riverside in 2007 beginning to reach people in the Orange Crest area of Riverside. And people have come to Christ. People have been baptized and their lives have been changed. And then in 2018, we launched out to start here in North Fontana to help people come to know Christ, to experience the refreshment that comes only from him. This is part of our heritage, expanding the kingdom of God here and now. But what you don't see oftentimes is what God is doing behind the scenes, a story that goes beyond even this. This story goes on and on and on, and it goes back to Jesus and the people that took him seriously enough to spread his kingdom. Now, my hope for us at Ridgeview is that there will be people 20 years from now in different cities that will have this tree And their church will be somewhere down here and they'll link it back up to Ridgeview, which will link back up to Church in the Valley and back up to Hope. That's what I hope. That people could see that this is moving forward. Uh, Here's just a couple slides of different churches that we're trying to 
be a part of this kingdom expansion. And then here's a map that I, I just wanna show you that highlights something very interesting. This is our country, and you'll see some red dots. Now, is there a certain area that's saturated with red dots? Yes, do you know where that is? That's here. You know, as people are leaving Southern California, there's many that have a heart to continue starting churches here. Why? Well, why are people leaving? Because the darkness is growing. What do people need in the darkness? Light. And so our vision is we have to actually continue and double down on starting churches here. Because as the darkness grows, the opportunity for the light to shine grows with it. And it's sometimes in the greatest terrors where people experience the triumph. So when we started Ridgeview Church, we'd hoped that we would run into people that were desperate and had tried all the different things for hope in their life and all the things that they thought would refresh them. And they get to the point where they're at their end and they tried it all and they were empty. Oftentimes it's at the point of your emptiness where you're open to consider Christ. And that's what we've seen here at our church part of our story. And so our goal is to continue to plant churches. And part of what's on my heart is how can we continue to plant churches throughout our country and throughout the world? Because the kingdom is eternal. Its authority is in Christ. It starts small, but it ends large. And we are a part of that. Finally, I just want to highlight the third distinctive. And this is, again, not an exhaustive list. But I think this is one that's relevant for all of us, and it's this. God chooses messed up people for miraculous work. So let me ask you a question. Are you messed up? If you say no, you're more messed up than you think. And it's still good because you're messed up. But that's actually what God does. He uses messed up people. He doesn't use perfect people because he could use no one but he uses messed up people. 1 Corinthians 1, this is a great encouragement to me. It says, for consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The greatest error in our thinking in our day is that we actually have to have a status and we have to actually be considered noble for people to accept us. And so we spin our wheels trying to earn that success, trying to create an image that people could appreciate. And what Christ is saying is the image that you have is connected to the living God. It is secure. It's actually not dependent on your own achievements. It's dependent on the achievement of Christ. And you are secure in who you are. Now look at the standards that we compare ourselves. Now, this is written long ago, but look at the standards that Paul says. Uh, wisdom, how many people want to appear like they have wisdom and authority in our culture? 
They could speak to things and they want audiences and they want content to go out and they want people to follow them. They want to be considered wise. That's still a thing, right? Well, how many strive for power and strength? That's the other standard. Well, look at our culture. Look at the rulers. What do they want? They want power. They want strength. And the last is like nobility class, like you're part of something special. You're unique. Everyone wants that. But what's our promise? Well, look at the scripture again. Go to that next slide. I highlighted a couple things. First, God chose. He's initiating the work in your life. God chose. Even things that are not. If you feel like you don't have everything together, you're right in this place where God can use you. Because at the moment you think that you have something to offer God, most of the times we get discouraged because we have expectations. But you just have to come. I'm, I'm a humble sinner that needs your help. And he'll use you. Even the things that are not. And then let the one who boasts, boast in what? In the Lord. Not in your wisdom, not in your strength, not in your power, not in your status, not in your identity but boast in the Lord. One of my greatest joys of Ridgeview Church is to take a step back and look at who God is using in our church. Connections and conversations, people using their gifting and skills that have never even maybe had training in it. But God uses personalities and backgrounds and gifting and strengths and even weaknesses and he comes and he puts them all together to accomplish the work of God. That's what God is doing in our church. That's what God's doing throughout the world. There's no kingdom that's expanding like the kingdom of God. And we can raise our sights and and be a part of it. So the title for today is The Right Side of History. Christianity is not dead. It's growing. And we get to be a part of it. And the reason we're on the right side of history is because you are living right now in history history. You're living in real life where God wants to transform you and you can be a part of transforming the world and the people that you interact with. It is a great calling that we've been given. I want to encourage you, if you feel distracted or discouraged in your life, you feel just weighed down by different burdens, part of what we have to do and we have to keep getting back to is we have to focus our hope on the right things. Not the things of the past as we hope. But the future of what God's doing in the present, what he's doing right now. As you look at those things, and what God is doing, there's great hope. And so as the band comes up, I want to just end with a, a few next steps. Considering just this kingdom of God that's expanding and we get to be a part of it. And these are, you know, literal things that you can actually do. Uh, the first is pray for Christians around the world to stand strong. Some of the numbers that have come in recently from mission agencies over the last few years is there's numbers of people coming to Christ in China numbering 35,000 a day coming to Christ. Same in different areas of Africa. I can't even fathom that. But Christ is doing works like that. And often many are, are persecuted. And so one of the things you can do is just pray. God, I just pray for those new believers in China who are being oppressed and persecuted for their faith. Will you help them to stay strong? And you just, you just pray that and ask God for help for them. We have to raise our sights. 
A second, decide to follow Jesus and join in his kingdom expansion. You may just, as I'm talking, you're like, you know what? I, I think I've just been a part of this kingdom of man, and that's all I've ever known. If you never decide to follow Jesus, you, you can today. You, you make him the, the leader and the boss of your life. You admit that you're a sinner. You're, you're messed up. But again, messed up people he uses for miraculous work. and He'll forgive you of your sin. You can decide to follow him with every aspect of your life. And so let us know on this connection card, and we'll follow up with you. Just check following Jesus. And then finally, encourage somebody this week on how you're seeing God use them. One of the things that tends to happen is we just keep going in our day and going on our task, but sometimes we need to take a step back. And you know what? God is using that person. Maybe you've just seen them in action. You, they've been, been an encouragement to you, and you just need to tell them that. As you do that in that moment, you're encouraging them, like you're a part of this kingdom, and you matter, and you're making a difference. God's using you. You know how that motivates you to keep going? Sometimes when you're struggling, or you're tired, or you feel defeated. I'd love to see our church continue to grow and just encouraging each other. We need that. And so just consider somebody you can encourage this week, part of our church. I want to invite you back next week. We're going to continue specifically about how we should live. So we've talked about this kingdom that we can be a part of, and it's expanding. Well, then what does that mean for what we do, and how we live? So we'll talk about that next week. Love to see you back here. Next week, we're here on the 30th. We're not. Good job, everybody. Let's pray. God, we do just lift up our brothers and sisters around the world who follow you and have decided to, in faith, serve the living God and be a part of the kingdom expansion. We pray for our brothers and sisters in in China, North Korea, Africa, Iraq, Afghanistan, Iran, places where they're just persecuted. We pray for new brothers and sisters in South America and throughout our world. God, will you comfort them, bring them peace. Many lose their their heritage and their families because of the decision. But we know the decision to follow you represents an eternal kingdom that's not dependent on man, but it's dependent on you. So God, just give them that security of knowing that they belong to the living God. And so we pray for them. We also pray for those here, for those of us who just, through discouragement and distraction, can just feel defeated. God, we ask that you'll help us to raise our sights on the kingdom work that you're doing, that we can be a part of it. And so, God, we we pray against that discouragement in the name of Jesus. We know that even if we're messed up, you can use us for miraculous work. And God, we pray that you'll continue to draw people to our church, people that don't know you, and that they'll decide to follow you for the first time. And through the work that your son Jesus did on the cross, that they'll escape the dominion of darkness, they'll break free from the shackles of sin and the power of the enemy, and they'll be set free. We thank you for this work that only you can do and change in the hearts of people. It's in your son's name we pray, in his power, amen.